Hey, perfectly acceptable podcast listeners. It's Jeff. I'm here. Um, I This is a feed drop. It's a, it's a classic um, podcast from a different feed on this feed. Uh, you may have heard us talking about Batman in quarantine and alluding to it the last several weeks on the Papcast, and it's finally happening. Uh, we've got it. You can take your podcast app, app application, you know, and uh, and take a search for Batman in quarantine. It's you know you'll get you'll get the vibe of it in a second here. But this is a podcast that Justin and I are doing that is just an issue by issue reread of the entire seventy five issue Grant Morrison Batman run. We absolutely love it. Uh, Roman's going to be on it often. Django's going to be on it often. Occasionally, you might get an episode of Just Me, but we're going to try and not do that. It has been a ton of fun, and we finally got everything straightened out to have it in there. So you guys, if you dig this episode, you should do a search for Batman in Quarantine on your podcast app and subscribe to it or leave a review for it. It would help us a ton to get a lot of listeners up front. It has been... uh, a labor of love, but it just sort of the if uh, if Papcast is the the moon shadow podcast we do in the evening, Batman in quarantine is a thing that I wake up and drink coffee and uh, Zoom chat with Justin about. So a uh, very different feel, a lot of fun. Hope that you guys enjoy it. We'll probably put a couple more of the episodes into this feed. Um, but yeah, give Batman in quarantine a search on there. It would help us out a lot, and I hope that you enjoy it um yeah here is episode one um so for this thing like i have no i'm thinking probably as i go through it'll probably be like 15 minutes an episode is kind of what i'm shooting for i i think you and i will have a hard time sticking to 15 minutes so especially the later we get in this run yeah so i would never you know Quarantine episode number one, the inaugural first episode of the issue by issue dissection of Grant Morrison's Batman run. I am Jeff, and I am joined this week by one of my best friends in the world, the the first person that I asked to to be on this with me, one of my favorite people, um, and known Batman historian, also <laughs> works at the same comic shop as me. Batman Justin. is historian in denial. What's that? I'm Batman oh, historian <laughs> in denial. <laughs> That's true. A Batman historian who like got his PhD in Chuck Dixon. You know, yeah, like, he's a little like, bit of a shame. Well, but I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that like Django just read through Robin year one and Batgirl year one. And like those are Chuck Dixon era stories that are like lauded. Like loved. Oh, yeah. So I, I, having not read much Chuck Dixon myself, Everyone gets lucky a couple times. Okay, okay. I want to like I wonder what Justin's favorite crowning jewel of Chuck Dixon is, but we'll do that on our Chuck Dixon podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, My Chuck Dixon podcast, apparently. Um, But yeah, so what this is is it's an issue by issue read through of Grant Morrison's Batman run that went from Batman and Detective Comics and Final Crisis and Batman and Robin and Incorporated. It's about seventy five ish issues, and I haven't read it 
in so long. And I figured that because we all have a lot of time in quarantine with Batman, there's no one really better to hang out with than Batman. The man, the bat, the man himself. So, um, in this episode, the first one, we are going to talk about two issues of the weekly series that came out 52 issues, 30 and 47. Um, and 52, 52, as it were, was uh, a weekly series that came out after um, Infinite Crisis uh, and, and DC. And what they did in Infinite Crisis is it was sort of a resetting of continuity. And they took the Trinity, Batman, uh, Wonder Woman, and Superman, and they sort of jumped them forward a year in time. And, and they to justify the time period uh, of that jump. They did a weekly series. It was 52 weeks long. It was co-written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. So what these, a crazy thing. I know. So these are two clips from that, two separate issues um, that Wade, or Morrison had written that starred Batman that sort of focused as a lead-in to his Batman run. I've never finished 52. I've never read 52 except for like retrospectively trying to get appearances of people and like mm-hmm. events references. So I've read like maybe two issues of the whole thing. And I've actually never read these and didn't know they existed until like this collection. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and as I was kind of cracking the spine on these omnibuses that you and I have, um, that they're collecting the whole Morrison run as these three deluxe hardcover omnibuses. And, and the very first thing are these two, it's like a total of 15 pages across two issues that serve as the introduction to the, the whole thing. But I think before we get into that, just a primer, Justin, yeah. you and I have been friends for a long time. Um, it's crazy to think of how long of we've been friends now. And how much of that has kind of happened as a byproduct of, I think, both of us kind of independently getting into, like, Grant Morrison comics. For sure. Um, Justin and I met a long time ago when I was just working at Barnes & Noble selling coffee, and Justin and his good friend Josh would come in and hang out and read comics and write. And I think I was the only one who had, like, a comic book pick on on our Barnes & Noble shelf. And so it sort of was like who is that person who likes the same thing as us and i just was like those are two i'm here working slung and coffee who are these (laughs) two cool guys who are reading and writing comic books in the cafe like how do i be friends with those guys i remember seeing your pick and you had the um black mirror Mm -hmm. as your pick and i was like oh so he likes good comics too (laughs) at that point this stuff was going on but other Batman stuff wasn't super good until Snyder kind of came on the scene and stuff. So, you know, it was like, oh, he's in, he's not only into comics, he's into the like weird shit that I like. Yeah. You know, like the dark stuff. I, uh, you know, my choice to put that Batman black mirror pick as my monthly Barnes and Noble pick has had more of a positive effect on my life in the form <laughs> of getting close to you and then, you know, getting jobs at the shop, both you and I, yeah, and, for sure. Um, it, that, that is a small decision that had hugely cascading impacts. And I, and I love that. Um, when did you start reading the Grant Morrison run? So, you know, I have had comics in my life to some extent 
off and on. And I even had like a pull box as a kid and didn't understand it. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of years to get it for sure. That kind of, at one point having too many books and getting called about it and not understanding was a thing that was a catalyst to make me kind of in my teenage years get out of comics. But I don't know what it was. I think I liked Andy Kubert as a kid or as a very young teen. And I actually bought Batman and son, the first issue of it in the store or in, in the comic book store in Spokane. And didn't you have like a poster of it or something hanging on your wall, like the image that, of the first I, cover? That image, that poster is still in my room in Spokane at my dad's house. It's like so it's awesome. still there. It's beat to shit. My brother had lived there for like four years and his kids lived in that room. Now it's like a TV or a movie room, but that poster is still there and it's like haggard. Um, but I bought that. But at some point, I was reading that run and really into it. I remember getting the return of Rosal Ghoul off the stands, mm-hmm. but something happened in the years of that run where I got kind of out of comics and in my teenage finding myself days kind of disidentified with that part of myself. But then the killing of Bruce Wayne was like blasphemy to me at that point. Like they killed Batman and that's what got me back in. Um, and then Josh lent me the issues of RIP because mm-hmm. I like didn't know like how the hell did they kill him, you know? And so I, I remember reading the issue he died in final crisis and then just kind of that whole saga of figuring out what the hell happened and trying to make sense out of RIP is when I started like really, really getting into comics again. Um, and then it, it functions so well for like our, our type of brain, which is this brain of like, Give me a mystery that is right. so large that I couldn't probably put the pieces together without you taking me along the journey with you, you know? And like right. that's kind of the story of this Morrison run is this this giant enigma. For sure. And that's I, I think that's a good observation. Like the whole it was like crack, like trying to figure out what happened and needing to go back and get issues to get it. And then and then as this was coming out, Batman Reborn was announced. So I knew this new Batman stuff was coming. So this like voracious need to figure out what was going on was some of the funnest times in my life. Like I was a senior in high school when like, actually it was my final summer in high school. Like, I guess it would have been the senior, the summer after my senior year when battle of the cow came out, Mm -hmm. like the first issue came out of the very last May in high school that I would experience. So like I got, with the absence of needing to do school comics just kind of became my life. Um, and so, yeah, this run, like I subbed to this run in Spokane, but I was planning on moving to Bellingham and subbed to it at the store in the, the shop upstairs in the old store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was double subbed just to make sure I wouldn't miss an issue. So whether I was in Bellingham or in Spokane, I was always making sure to pick up an issue. So I actually have doubles of a couple of nice years. yeah that's, um, it, that's so interesting dude that is like almost the exact timeline for me um like we're one year apart in school and yeah. what i remember was sitting in my college dorm room so it would have been the exact same year um, right. back when stumble i think i've told the story on the podcast the perfectly acceptable podcast which we are both on often um another comic book podcast <laughs> do through the store but 
um, I, I think that I, I, I know I was using StumbleUpon, which was like a Safari or Firefox add-on. And I was just, I would spend hours doing StumbleUpon in my dorm room. And I Did it make up- you feel cool? StumbleUpon made me feel super cool. Oh, I was just like, I got this thing that can make me learn. I love stumble upon. I think I was just always, I think at some point I just got like really the belief in me that I was never objectively cool. However, I knew that I was super cool amongst the five people that had <laughs> the same interests as me. So it was, it, it, you know, it was, it was that. Um, but the article I stumbled upon that made me feel very cool <laughs> um, was uh, it was like a New York Times article about the Neil Gaiman issue, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader that had Bruce Wayne dying, and it was like Neil Gaiman writes a funeral for Bruce Wayne, and I had that same response of like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Now I haven't read a comic in years. I I grew up Batman's the first thing I ever loved. I was so into him until I was like ten, and then it became about Dragon Ball Z, and then it became about similarly like i got really into music so there was some point of like identity development where i I lost interest in comics and then realized that they're my favorite thing or one of them um right and they've been there all along right and great i missed 15 years of amazing stories i can now catch up on right Uh, but i went down to the comic shop that you and i both now work at and when it was in the same place that you would have gone to up in a tiny art studio above a gallery and um i asked the employee working i was like hey i heard that like bruce wayne died and in the like most deft comic book employee move ever he was like oh yeah and he started walking me around the store it was neil um (laughs) and he grabbed volume one of batman and son he grabbed or it was actually two separate it was like batman and son in the black glove and he grabbed me like we didn't have the next paperback but he grabbed me a bunch of issues and he grabbed me the hardcover of batman r.i.p and he, you know, at the end, he gave me this giant stack and it was like $85. And I remember being like, whoa, <laughs> not ask for an $85 transaction. I just wanted to know about Batman dying, but you're really cool. And I certainly can't say no to this. So I guess I'm just going to have to explain to my mom why all of my tuition money is now in Batman. <laughs> but, and then from there, it was just like, I, I couldn't, I was just blown away by how small the book made me feel in a good way. Like just, For sure. this is the most ornate, huge puzzle I've ever seen and I can't solve it. So I can't wait to watch somebody smarter than me do that. Yeah, it, uh, it, it was such a great run. And it's the peak of monthly comics. Like there have been so many amazing, amazing monthly comics to come out and participate in. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the format that you get from monthly comics that you don't get from anything else maybe like a big TV show as well, but there's like the spaces in between issues where you're participating and you're speculating and you're waiting. Participation is the best word to use. Like it's, these are the best monthly comics to have participated in because it is an experience. Right. I was, you know, reading about Shakespeare, about every like odd reference that came up in an issue because Morrison just like, he can't not write without like chalking full things with other information about other stuff. And I was just like, I never really left the comics all month. You know, it was just from one, I'd write a crest of one issue to the next issue. I even, I dropped out of school my senior year and was getting my GED the next year. And my GED classes, I would, I specifically scheduled it to get out early on Wednesday (laughs) and take the bus from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to downtown Spokane. Eventually Josh would drive me. And then eventually I'd drive myself, but 
every Wednesday I had this super long bus ride to downtown Spokane to make sure to get that one issue. And at the time it was the only thing I was sub to just to get that one issue. Cause it was like, it was like religion. Like, yeah. It was, and, and, and sort of like what you said about the Shakespeare references, like it, it is a comic book run. And so to clarify, if anyone is confused, this is a run that Justin and I both love, but have not read in its entirety since it was coming out. But it is a thing that like, Morrison would put like philosophy and Shakespeare and literature and, and religion and religion and movie history. And, and then the, the most aware canonical sort of uh, mind for the 80 years of Batman. So it, it really, um, it made me feel like I was becoming a more well-rounded person in all walks of life to be reading this thing uh, that, that I guess is just a comic book, but it, it really is like, you know, I, I, what I've done is I've found the old blog that I used to go to. There was a guy named Rick dad, R I K D A D who huh. would write these like crazy theories after every issue. And he just had a better brain than I did. So I would read the issue and I would go online and read this guy's blog thoughts about it. And that was more like in the Batman and Robin era when like the timey wimey stuff is really happening. Um, and I'm curious to, you should send me a link to that blog because yeah, I yeah. definitely looked at tons of different resources at that point. I think I even initially started going on Reddit because of this run. Yeah. Like yeah, that's, <laughs> to be able to track down your relationship with Reddit is, uh, gosh. <laughs> um, another thing to point out, and I think this is something that you and I have experienced. There's like this weird and it's not bad at all, but a dissonance when someone asks you and I particularly about continuity, because we just like, it's a weird thing to have to think about being outside of continuity with comics. Yeah. But I think we were really lucky to our first big run was such a innovative continuity thing that we were kind of taught how to comic book by this run. Yeah, that's a like, really, really good point. Uh, because... Yeah, yeah, please. I can't imagine... It's, you know, innovative things are the things that you, like, are so obvious and subtle that you, you take for granted. And I, we live in a world where I think I kind of internally treat every adventure in a comic as a one day, one night, one Batman shift. But that didn't exist before Grant Morrison. No. He was the one who was like, okay, all of these 80 years are just snippets. They're daily events. This is what he does every single day so the whole 60s was a really bad week for batman got <laughs> gassed with stuff and everything's crazy yeah you know, that was morrison's innovation and now that has been my relationship with continuity that i don't even notice that software anymore right because that like we were schooled in the morrison thought of continuity and so much of our conversations about like i know we we tell people out the store like oh don't worry about continuity that's because like we have been imprinted by grant morrison's larger kind of meta comment or continuity yeah i mean like uh, coming in to want to start reading this batman run i felt like okay well i'm not going to be able to enjoy this unless i know all of the stuff leading up to it and there's 80 years so crap how do i get all of that information in my head and what morrison did is basically like yeah all of that stuff happened like we can look at these issues the these things happen in his life but we can kind of slush them all around to create our own chunk of how those things fit into a single person's life. And I think that that is 
one of the most innovative things that a comic writer has done. But yeah, it's, it's so taken for granted because I, I think that comic books have this thing working against them, which is this huge barrier to entry of feeling like you have to know the 75 years to go into it. And, you and it's like a weird club. Yeah. Like some people treat it like you can't come in unless you know continuity. Right. And I'm and, always just like, no, nah, man, you just like, if you've only read four books, then you have read all of, you know, all four of the books that you know existed. Like that's your Batman and it's great. Right. Um, and Morrison really did this thing where I see Batman as a real thing. Like it's not a fictional thing of this character and how could his life could never mirror someone actual, actual years lived. I'm like, well, no, he's a, he's a living being who has a lifetime. And these things are things just like, you know, for Batman, the dull moments where we like scratch our nose in a car and we don't remember it. That's just like <laughs> him fighting a mugging. Like that's, right. you know, he has mundane and bigger moments in his life that are remembered. And so to me, this is like Batman, this is just his lifetime and we're watching it unfold over 80 years, you know? And um, that, you know, that kind of sense of purpose or his sort of mental orientation, Morrison's, what I really like is that that is on display in this first issue um, for Final Crisis, or sorry, not Final Crisis. Yeah, I would just want a point of clarification for everybody. Justin and I are huge Batman enthusiasts and huge comic enthusiasts, and he and I both very happily skate through things with just our sort of understanding of them. So if we make an error, if we're wrong, we apologize. Right. This is uh, two people who love a comic talking about it, not people who consider themselves uh, end-all, be-all experts of it. But um, in 52 number 30, so the, the first issue that we're going to talk about here, it's, like I said before, it's just a little bit of a pre-existing series that leads into the overall Morrison run. So this is a great spot to start. Um, but what, what it starts with is, uh, it's like a six-page sequence, but it is a, it's a, a monologue by Robin, kind of through narration, tracing that evolution of Batman from the 60s to the 90s of this it's, it's a fight sequence, but as he's doing it, it, it's talking about how colorful and bright and zany everything once was and how as things have gone on, um, horrible things have happened and they've ultimately broken Batman. I love that too. And I think that what's interesting is that when this book came out, um, it sounds like DC editorial had made like one of the things of Infinite Crisis that Jeff Johns had written one of the in intentional things they were doing out of out of that was to reset some continuity and intentionally remove some of the darkness around Batman because in the 80s with Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns Alan um, Moore stuff yeah Alan Moore stuff killing joke like it just gets really brutal and uh, from the reading I was doing it sounds like there was an intentional like hey we need to return Batman to some of the heroic stuff and this uh, first page sequence is well, it's, it's Robin doing a narration, uh, and then it cuts to Robin in the form of Nightwing and Tim Drake following Batman into a foreign country where he has dipped out to go out to the desert to visit um, the Ten-Eyed Tribe of the Empty Quarters. And they are apparently um, instrumental in Bruce's original quest to go out and become Batman. I had never heard of this tribe or anything like that. Do you, do you think that this was a new thing or is this 
the thing about Morrison is you never know if it's a new thing or if it's something buried in a 1970s comic that does right. exist and you could just haven't explored yet. Right. Uh, it feels like a new thing because I just have never heard a reference right. anywhere, but I think Grant Morrison probably read every single Batman comic that has ever been published before right. he did this run, so maybe it's in there somewhere. I actually really liked... I've never read these issues. Mm-hmm. Me neither. Um, didn't really knew, know they existed, and yet they click in to this whole larger run so well. Um, you know, this this ritual in this moment has ripple effects through the whole run. Yeah, which is uh, bizarre how much later stuff comes back to this moment and the one right after that we'll talk about. And and yet, as you're reading it, you don't need to have read these for the future. No. Since, but it, it's a great framing. Well, right. Like, I feel like, you know... We, you and I have read the whole run, not knowing these, really, not having read these, right. and felt satisfied and under, like we understood the run to some extent that you can't understand it because right. it's huge. But, and, and it's incestuous and a serpent swallowing its tail. And, yeah. Right. But this like enhances it and it fits in. Like I was like, holy fuck, this is, this is that same run. And, you know, years before, uh, I really like that this is kind of like how Batman does therapy. Like, he goes to fight this tribe that gives him, like, a weird exorcism. This is, like, combat therapy for Batman. I was like, this is how Batman would handle his internal issues. It's like, oh, I need to fight this mystical tribe that's going to, like, kill my inner demons for me. Well, yeah, like, and, and, and he goes to this tribe that, you know, they're saying, like, well, this ritual almost killed you the first time that you were here. But it, it is an attempt to rid him of all of his darkness and all of his demons and all of his pain. And he fights them, and Tim Drake kind of goes out and finds him in the desert, and right as they're all circling around him, seeming to, like, stab him or something, and he's like, Bruce, are are you all right? And he says, it's over. Batman is gone. And it's interesting how that serves as a great starting point for the Morrison story, but also doing exactly what Editorial wanted, which is, can you remove some of the, like can we not have the Joker have maybe raped Barbara? Like maybe, right. maybe that's a thing we don't need in Batman. This is like a literal editorial and a psycho spiritual. It's an exorcism for Batman, which yeah. is why I love the cover is, you know, that is a reference oh. to St. Michael casting out Satan to the underground. So that is like an exorcism. Um, that's like a famous yeah. medieval painting. Uh, it's an incredible cover. I like, love it, that. It's I thought so like this needs to be a poster somewhere. It's it's absolutely sure. incredible. And so it's just like a genius. I love when you can take marketing that is something necessary that you have to do, not to shit on editorial or marketing, but like to make it actually work within a story. Um, and I really liked the pant. Like you see them, you know, whooping up on Batman or whatever. But by the time Tim gets there, they're gone. And there's also this big shadow and that looks like bats are in the form of bats. Like Bruce expelled his like bat. Oh, I didn't notice that, but you're totally right. In the far off distant, there's Bruce sitting on a sand hill and then there's a shadowed like cloud coming out of him that looks like a bat. Yeah. And I can't tell if it's made out of other bats. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And then it got me thinking like, were these guys even really there? Right. Um, and one laughs like the Joker. They use the Joker font for laughing, which is oh, you know, wow, is pretty trademarky of the Joker's, you know, his haws. Yeah, wow, that you're 
I didn't notice that, but you're a hundred percent right. That's super. I I'm so glad to be able to be talking to you about this because you have such a, a great view of just Batman as a whole. Um, so then on that note, like three pages into this, when Robin is talking about like how ultimately, uh, just horrible things kept happening and nobody could really sustain all that. There's a, a six page shot that has six different moments. The first is Joker killing or shooting Barbara from killing joke. Then it's Batman's back getting broken from Bane. Then it uh, looks like cataclysm. Like, yeah, I couldn't quite figure that one out. I think it's cataclysm. And then after that, it's got Jason Todd's return. The second Robin who died, um, which that was a dark run. Yeah, it was for sure. Yeah. That's kind of almost the start of like, whoa, we're getting real dark. Yeah. What do you think the next two are? The next is like Batman angrily looking at Batman. That's consoling that's, Tim. That's Tim's dad, dead by Captain Boomerang. Okay, from, oh, he's from identity. Yeah, from Identity Crisis. I don't know why there's two Batman. I because that's I remember the moment in Identity Crisis when Tim finds his dad dead. I can't remember why there's, and I don't remember, like I, it's been such a long time since I've read Identity Crisis. If there was someone else dressed up as Batman in that moment. I wonder if these sequences are supposed to sort of show Batman the weight that he carries because in the killing joke scene, Batman wasn't there when Barbara got shot. And in, in that, oh. panel, he's got sand in his hands. So I wonder if that's sort of like these are he's the time traveling. Yeah. Like in his head, he's seeing all these things. Because then in the sixth one, is that like the brother eye stuff? Or yeah, that's like the infinite crisis stuff. Okay, okay. Like when he kind of... Okay, so, so I those feel like those six moments. I was kind of curious about those last two. I think that there's some stuff in the Justice League run that goes kind of adjacent to or along with infinite crisis and the brother mm-hmm. Omac stuff. The Justice League were doing some pretty unethical shit with Omac and brother eye. right. And I know Batman caught them like kind of doing psychic surgery on Dr. Light and erasing his memories. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this might be a reference to some of the, and is if Batman's holding a gun. Yeah. So there's probably something to do with like surveillance and, you know, Batman doing some shady stuff. I know that he got to. real, real shady with surveillance stuff and kind of betrayed all of his friends in his right. preparation. Um, I guess the last thing I want to mention from this first little 52 excerpt is that in it, while Dick and Tim are out looking for Bruce, Dick is essentially like, hey, you keep looking for Bruce, but I got to go back to Gotham and keep it safe. Right. And um we know that a big portion of this batman run is batman quote unquote dying and dick grayson taking the mantle from him so i think it's really interesting to see that even kind of seeded in this the very first instance of of morrison taking on the stuff it's it dick grayson's ability to fill in for batman is is on the forefront even here in the first implications of the whole thing Right. And then the Tim Drake Red Robin run, Tim stays abroad. I love that run. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, so even here we have Tim staying abroad and Dick staying home, which is how the, like, the actual issues came out um, of their own subsequent series. Yeah, yeah. I, that was another thing that I started reading at the same time that I think probably nowadays Jeff wouldn't have stuck with it but having like been somebody who was just like paying for monthly comics and not getting to read everything. Um, 
it had such payoff by the end of it, like that right. Robin run of like when, you know, Ra's al Ghul like comes back to Gotham and Tim uses all of his friends to help him defeat it. It's like this great, like, oh, that's good Batman. Yeah. And that Tim like outsmarted Ra's al Ghul, which is like the one thing Ra's al Ghul like didn't expect. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. he knew that he's like, I can beat you physically. And Tim was like, well, that's not how I play. Now and, who's detective Ra? Right. Yeah. So cool. Um, also, I think that the artist for this first one is the dude who does Immortal Hulk. Joe Bennett, oh. I think is his name. Okay, it, it does look pretty familiar. Yeah, it's got like kind of a, it's just interesting. That's an artist who's doing a book we love called Immortal Hulk with Al Ewing at Marvel right now. And uh, I was like, oh God, that's the same name. Totally different yeah. company, different time, but um, not for the second half though. So on issue 47 of 52 so nearing the end of that weekly series we get another morrison written batman excerpt this one's shorter but this one may be even more important because this um reference to togel uh is a thing that happens in the morrison batman run and i i remember looking on the internet like when did this happen like does, is this a thing from the 80s or the 90s like when did batman go into a cave what happens here so Batman, essentially, also another like exorcism, internal meditation, purity thing. Batman goes into this cave uh, for Togol. This Torgal, Togol, Thorgal, something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Thogal, whatever it is. He goes to like purify himself and find himself. And this cave scene has such a ripple effect. Yeah, this is where sub-personalities that are important later are born. This is the cave from the return of Bruce Wayne that he's etching it. So this is like, oh my God, I was just about to say this is the book of Revelations for Batman and it's called... Revelations. Or for this run, yeah. So this, this tiny little thing, which seems like a little throwaway, has such an impact through this whole run. He, Grant Morrison, you motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Tim sitting outside of Nanda Parbat, which is, you know, a place that Batman had trained originally and he comes back to. And it's Tim sitting outside with some monks as he waits five days or seven days for Bruce, who has gone into a cave and had a stone rolled over it, kind of like Christ. And you, you maybe this ritual kills a lot of people or drives them insane. And after five days, he comes out of it, or no, seven days rather. Um, and he comes out of it and the stone is rolled aside much like Christ after the third day. And Bruce comes out kind of a weird shot. He's looking smiley, um, yeah. but he's got a big Batman shadow behind him. Do you interpret that to say like he had Batman expelled from him and here he refines it, like reawakens Batman or. Yeah. It's the death and rebirth thing. I okay. think. Um, and I think. I'll try to reference this when, when the character comes up, but I think that this is when a vital kind of character thing is born within Batman. Um, that's like his, his connection to himself again. Um, yeah. I, so yeah, Bruce comes out looking happy. Like he found himself and he's, this is a seven day meditation in pure darkness. Yeah. So, you know, he's kind of bound to go a little insane. 
it's like a sen- uh, sensory deprivation chamber for seven days. Right. And you're not eating, you're fasting, you know, you fast for a couple of days and you see shit. So this <laughs> is like this incredible religious thing and you know, the Christ cave death rebirth thing. So this is like new Bruce coming out. Um, and this will lead into the very beginning of Bruce's run where he's trying to have a new lease on life in this run, um, which turns out to kind of, only go badly but anytime bruce tries to be happy it gets fucked up yeah um Um, you know a thing that i thought was really interesting in this is that um like getting into comics through this run and like and then you know i i think that another thing that's really interesting justin is both you and i entered this run as somebody and then both of us had very defining life things happen to us throughout the course of this run. And we left for this sure. run entirely different people, you know? Yeah, for sure. Life is a harsh, harsh mistress and it, um, it crumbles the stone and both of us had that stone crumbled while making our way through this thing. And, and one of the things that. That is really absolutely. Me, it's interesting, it's, right? Like, yeah, that's went through our own torgal ritual while reading this book. Yeah. Stuff happened within this run that, I'm still having a ripple effect. Like, yeah, maybe our entire life plays out through this run. Right. I mean, and, and I, it's hard to trace the divine machinations of the universe, but right. um, the bat, Batman really did sort of therapeutically help me get through an incredibly difficult time. Um, one of the other things that really helped me do that was just sort of learning about Grant Morrison and who he was. Cause I really, mm-hmm. um, you know, to boil him down to so much, of a phrase or something i you know the the idea of choosing happiness is a thing i get from grant morrison and anyway it's learning about him he had this like very spiritual experience um and catman do where he was like maybe abducted by aliens or fifth dimensional beings or whatever but um that happened after he and his friend went to catman do because they heard that there was this like a thousand stair staircase that if you could go up it in one breath you could achieve enlightenment and to get to Nanda Parbat, you have to climb a staircase that's 9,999 stairs. Right. So I, I, I think it's, it was just a really cool, like, oh, that feels like a little bit of drawing from your own life experiences here. Like, climb this staircase to go to this place to have enlightenment or something. That's kind of the ritual Bruce did. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's like, you know, Morrison giving Bruce his kind of big Ur myth or his religious enlightenment and weaving your own nearness to that experience into it, which is really cool. Um, Yeah. I am really glad that you invited me to do this. You came up with this. Um, And I'm really glad like this reading these two little issues was such a vivifying thing to make me go like realize how important this run is and how much, how much better it might be on a reread. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, like this was like the little, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls of this Batman Bible. Like I didn't realize Great it existed. Yeah, yeah, it's cut out, but like it when you put it back in, it makes the whole thing make more sense. Yeah, uh, because trying to come into this run, like it, while at, at on one level, just like you said, it it really was a sort of a like a spiritual enema about how to think about continuity. Just sort of like, yeah, just jump in and have some fun. This is also like skipping high school and taking a college course right like in batman or something like the first several issues of this run i remember reading and being like what 
it, like there's several Batman. Like what is going on here? Like I, I couldn't understand it easily. And that is sort of what I've developed a hunger for in my comic book since then. But it right. really is, um, it is not a, like a 101 class in comic booking. Right. It's like if all your friends are smoking weed, you're like, I think I'll go straight for the mushrooms. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah exactly. There's so much more going on in this run that I was capable of understanding at the time. Um, you know, I remember reading RIP and like literally thinking it was incomprehensible, like not understanding, yeah. thinking that it was all made up garbage, that it was just like meant to throw you off. And then going back and reading from Batman in Sun to RIP and seeing the, the frameworks of the story, the, the gears turning. And once I was able to moderately understand what was going on in RIP, I still don't think that I do, but yeah. it like was like, holy fuck, there is something going, wait, does this run actually make a whole lot of sense? <laughs> and it's me who can't perceive it. Um, and that's such yeah. a like, that is an amazing feeling. And I don't know yeah, how everyone yeah. else feels about that, but I, one of the reasons that you and I have become such wonderful friends is that common hunger for some sense of order to the universe, right? right? Like maybe all of this chaos actually is put together by somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. And this, it does, it's like, it makes you feel like so tiny. Yeah. You know, like there's someone's imagination that's a thousand times bigger than yours, no matter how hard you could ever conceive. And that is such a, you know, as a young person, maybe a kind of a scary or humbling feeling, but it is so comforting at the same time. Like this run, you know, when there was so much more to do and to get into and look into with this run, it like, that's why I use the word participation is like, I never left this comic. Yeah. You know, I was always like searching and finding more, um, especially when time travel gets thrown in. You yeah. Know, you, you, there's loops within loops within loops. I love a, a brilliant person talking about time travel. Well, Justin, is there anything else we need to hit on in these two issues? No, I, I mean, I think we, we milked them of all their sweet, sweet bat milk. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the Morrison bat teat. Yeah. Um, you know, and, it's hard to say not the words not to oversell it because I think we did a pretty good job of overselling it there. But um, I'm really glad that you invited me to do this because, like I said, I didn't know that these existed. These mm -hmm. tiny little moments, and I can, you know, these are scenes and locales that are pretty essential through his whole run. And it's so good to start here again, right? You know, it's it's really cool. So um, it it is interesting. Like one of the things, it's just sort of in kind of prepping for this whole thing, I've been reading just Googling, trying to find articles from the time that these were coming out. And, but if you look up Morrison Batman run, it's just Google pages and pages of people explaining the reading order of it. Like yeah, it, is, sure. it is one of the great mysteries of how to read Morrison's Batman, which is why I think that these giant hardcover omnibuses are a great thing to exist because it really is like six different series at different times, like different rebrandings of the DC universe. Like it's, it's, it's hard to keep track of. Um, and uh, it's always been a kind of joy an exhausting joy to explain to new people. Like you start here, you go here, you go here. Like it, it is not a natural course of events. So. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I don't think there is any one way to do comics right. and there's definitely not a right way or a wrong way. But if you want like the meta approach to superhero comics, which I think is like a good way to jailbreak superhero comics in a way is just to take this super zoomed out view. Mm -hmm. um, if you want the Morrison school where superhero comics are good and worth it. And they're not just like 
capitalistic properties that are regurgitating themselves. Like, I think there's a very like enlightened way to view superhero comics that right. like artsy comic people kind of, they get a, Superhero comics get a bad rap. They do. And I don't think that that's always accurate. And sometimes it is. Um, but if you want like a way to approach superhero comics from a meta model, this is like the textbook to do it. It's like a, a workbook. It's like how to fit. An intellectual's guide to comic booking. Yeah. How to fit the multiverse in your head when you're reading comics. Like I, I, I don't ever think that you and I can leave the Grant Morrison. Like that's why no matter what, how many places I stray into other indie comics or this or that. And I love, I love me some image books. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but something about a superhero comic can speak to me on a more profound le- level than anything else. Even if I don't want that to be so. And I think that's because we were like brought up and trained by the Morrison school of superhero comics where superheroes don't have to be just properties, you know, like yeah. they're, they're people and they're wise and they they're have these, living myth. They're, yeah, the, yeah, they they're the most powerful thing people have, which I think is sort of the, the power of story and, right. and sort of like you're saying to continue the Morrison thing. It's like, if power of story is the most important thing we have, then why not tell powerful, good moving stories that help people learn and be better. Right. Uh, and at some point we'll have to talk to some other folks that we know that are not huge Morrison fans, you know, right. and, and see, see their opinions on um, these issues. Oh, and I, I absolutely totally understand how everything we just said could sound like garbage to another yeah, person. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no offense taken, but um, yeah, if you want to go on this ride, I'll be doing all these issues. And anytime Justin is down to join the, it's an open door. I am so grateful to have started this with you. Um, as yeah, I started so much of my comic journey with part. you. Absolutely. Yeah, I like I said, regardless of me being here or not, I'm going to try to pace this book with you because I feel like that ha- that's how it has to be read. Yeah. Well, um, thank you, anyone who is listening to this. Thank you, Justin, for being on here. And we'll get... Um, We'll, we'll get back at this very soon with uh, the first official issue of The Run, which is Batman 655 from September of 2006. The poster okay. hanging on Justin's wall. I wanted to ask you when this run started. It was 2006. Yeah, and actually these two issues of 52, um, number 30 came out November 29th of 2006, and then number 47 was March 28th of 2007. So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, Time traveling. yeah, it is. Um, all right, well, thanks for joining me, and we'll see everybody soon. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Justin, thanks a ton. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye.